lovelies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network. And this week's show is going to be a, a whole lot of fun, a lot of interesting conversation here with our guest, a uh, Pacific Northwest favorite, uh, one of the owners and operators of Without a Cause Pro Wrestling up here uh, in the, well, not here, I'm in Portland, but um, the Seattle area, the Everett, Washington up there, a few hours north. Um, the Black Sheep, Dave Turner, one half of the Bash Bros, one half of the uh, Without a Cause Tag Team Champions, the first Without a Cause Tag Team Champions. Um, Dave sat down with me um, ahead of his uh, match at the third anniversary show for uh, WAC coming up on Halloween night, just a few days away. Uh, him and his tag team partner, Chris Ross, are going to be defending their titles against uh, Death Proof. Uh, in a title versus title match there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, as for the conversation with Dave, um, you know, being new, somewhat new um, to the the current uh, scene, I guess you could say, here in this area, obviously, you know, I've been into it for a number of years now and, and learning more as I keep digging into it. But, you know, watching companies like Without a Cause, um, kind of have this rise in such a short time has been awesome to see and I really wanted to speak with Dave about that experience as well as his own personal experiences in pro wrestling and what came out of that um, was a a really um, interesting and um, open conversation about you know Dave's experiences and and getting to where he is now um, as a pro wrestler and you know, including his his coming out, you know, in recent years as well. Um, all in all, thoroughly glad to have Dave on the show. Glad to keep bringing on more of my area's people <laughs> as well on, onto the show. It was awesome. Um, real quick, uh, just a note on corrections here for, for the interview. I, I think I constantly throughout the interview say that this is their fourth anniversary show. It is not. It's their third anniversary show. I also think at one point I referred to WCWC, a company that ran here in uh, Central Oregon, to uh, WCBW, which is definitely not WCWC. So <laughs> just wanted to make sure that that was cleared up um, beforehand. Regardless, um, I really enjoyed the conversation with, with Dave, and we'll get to that conversation here in just a second because um, while the interview coming up is, um, you know, has a lot of heart and and, and happiness to it, um, this week in pro wrestling has kind of been um, less so, I would say. Obviously, the big news um, from Wednesday being the uh, the Ring of Honor situation, uh, where the company is going to be um, going on hiatus following their December 11th final battle pay-per-review, um, and their plan right now is to kind of reimagine what Ring of Honor should be and come back in April for Supercard of Honor. Um, of course, that means that all talent involved uh, with the company right now under contract, meaning you know commentators, interviewers, managers wrestlers, um, all of them will 
be released from their contracts at the end of the year. No one's getting renewed, and there's really no clear picture on what this new version of Ring of Honor is going to look like next year. Um, obviously, this is a hard, hard thing to land in the laps of all of the talent that's going to be affected here. You know, put Ring of Honor to the side for right now because, you know, that that is a company owned by a multi-million, dare I say, possibly a billion dollar media company in Sinclair that has its own issues um, that are widely known. Um, but Sinclair has kind of let Ring of Honor operate kind of on its own, uh, away from their regular... Um, kind of backwards views so but that being said you know at this point it's about the individuals that are going to be affected and like yes there are a number of people that are going to land on their feet very very easily i think a, a, a large number of them will but it's one of those situations where you never know the future and you know losing a ring of honor contract is a is a loss of guaranteed income really um something that is you know fleeting in in the world of independent pro wrestling um i would dare say non-existent in in, in many places um so that is definitely going to take a hit i know a lot of people have been expressing their emotions online you know i, know I saw brian zane from wrestling with regret did a live stream on wednesday about talking about the news there um obviously a number of the wrestlers you know trisha dora o'shea edwards um max the impaler you know speaking specifically to the the community uh members that were on on roster there um have been expressing themselves and and have not taken skipped a beat when getting their name back out there um and making sure that they are uh, getting back on on the indie wrestling hustle so to speak um which you know is good to see but also sucks just because like they were they were doing so well and and the direction that ring of honor was taking with its actual in-ring presentation um it's it's reinvigoration of the women's division there like there were so many things trending positive in terms of the actual um presentation of ring of honor over the past uh six or so months since they came back from uh their pandemic hiatus and it's just just sucks that's it's hard for me to really it's a base level emotion here people like it it just sucks it sucks all around hopefully some of these people that were will be affected by this will be able to come back for the new ring of honor whenever that does launch but for right now, um, support your faves from the roster. You know, buy merch, um, go to sh- buy tickets to shows they're on. Do what you can um, to support these people um, as they are definitely taking a hit on this stuff. Um, even if it's just a retweet, <laughs> you know, those are free. Those are free. Um, and and just keep talking up your faves. You know, that's sometimes that's all you can do but it does wonders just to keep conversation going about all these awesome talents that are going to be um back on the scene pretty soon here also real quick before we get into the interview i want to uh give uh a quick moment to talk about some 
injury-related stuff that came out this week as well. Um, obviously, the stories are making the rounds into like major media outlets, but um, you know, we learned this week that, or at least the public learned this week, that um, you know, longtime wrestler Jimmy Rave, who you know had to, had to have his arm amputated um, earlier this year, um, also had both of his legs amputated, and you know, all from contracting MRSA. And that, that was a, um, a heavy thing to, to learn. Um, and then to see people, like, really, like, throw all these assertions out, uh, about the situation was just really gross. It kind of reminded me a bit about, you know, a lot of this, the commentary around the Brody situation last year, um, and and it's just it's not cool. Well, it's it's uncalled for. You know, Jimmy gave a lot to pro wrestling. Um, I'd argue he probably still has more to give if he wants to, um, in in some role in in pro wrestling. But for right now, um, our best wishes and thoughts are with with you, Jimmy Rave, as you continue. Um, this journey for yourself. Also, I do want to highlight uh, Heart Eater Moxie. Um, even if uh, they might not necessarily go by that name anymore after the news came out that they um, had to have a, a spinal fusion that um, it seems to have effectively ended their wrestling career just months into um, them actually getting into the ring uh, for, you know, actual matches on on shows and that's a, a, a real shame because moxie the I, the character the personality just they're very vivacious on on social media as well and just the whole vibe is, was awesome and beyond that the the person uh, Faye, a lot of passion there you know obviously i've never spoken with moxie directly um but it comes through just in the way that they kind of carry themselves online. And it is, it's heartbreaking to see a, a dream like that kind of cut so quickly and so short. But, you know, I know online they said that they got into wrestling to find, you know, family and community. And I sincerely hope that they did find that, whether it be you know, their relationship with Shade or all of the, the fans, other wrestlers, other people in this wacky world that um became endeared to them and yeah it's it's a sucky situation but they have so many so much more to give in other areas as well so um thoughts are with uh with moxie as well always the heart eater always um with that being said let's brighten up things a little bit here um and welcome on uh, the black sheep Dave Turner. All right, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring, and I am stoked to have as my guest this week someone who is uh, very well known within uh, the Pacific Northwest up here where I am, but also beyond. You've seen him at uh, Without a Cause. You've seen him at Three to One Battle. You've seen him at DOA. And beyond the Pacific Northwest, Rocky Mountain Pro, Fest, Black Label Pro, just keeps putting his name out there. One half of the Bash Brothers, one half of the WAC Tag Team Champions, the Black Sheep, Dave Turner. How are you doing today, Dave? 
I'm good, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing good. Good. Yeah. Good. It's a it's a nice it's a nice uh, easing into the weekend sort of thing here. But I'm glad to to wrap up things for this week talking to you because y'all yeah, have me too. Yeah, for sure. Y'all have a big event coming up here at the end of the month on Halloween night, uh, Wax four year anniversary or fourth anniversary rather, um, where the headlining match is Kita. The Stallions champion going up against Chris Bay. Chris Bay coming back to uh, WAC for the first time since things have gotten up and running um, after the pandemic layoff there. What does it mean for you to be part of the the team behind this this organization without a cause and to see how far it has grown in, in this short time that it's been around? Um, you know, for me, it's it's really an honor. It's something I've always wanted to do. Um, for a long time, I was, I was always of the belief that I was, I wasn't ready to be the person behind a wrestling company, owning a wrestling company, promoting wrestling company. I I didn't think that I had earned the right, um, and that I'd ultimately get a lot of crap for it from, from my peers. Um, and then one day just, it dawned on me, you know, nobody's going to give me permission ever to do the things that I want to do. So if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And the opportunity came up uh, with Max and with Chris Ross. And we bounced around the idea. Originally, WAC was supposed to just be a one-off show that we Mm. were going to run once a year, maybe just to give the the best talent from the Pacific Northwest, the opportunity to wrestle, the best fly-ins that we could afford to bring in. And it just snowballed from there where it just became this concept of a monthly promotion that wanted to still give the, the local wrestling talent the opportunity to be seen on a platform that maybe they weren't always being able to to break into we were the first company in the area that was uh, showcased on iwtv Um, we were you know the were the the only company that consistently month after month runs shows at the at the level that we run them at because it's it's no small it's no small task what we're doing we've we've got a lot of people that um are always very eager to come out and watch our shows and and a very faithful group of fans that want to participate and we do our best to give them the best that we can and we've kind of created this expectation now i feel with the level of talent that we bring in both locally and and nationally and even internationally um that we have to deliver on no i can i definitely second you on the the environment that y'all have created you know before everything pandemic hit like i was starting to learn about whack you know being new to this area and was interested in, in like eventually getting up there to see a show it didn't happen until about a year and a half later because of you know everything that happened but i you know being in the building last month for for that show um where y'all brought in a bunch of the paradigm uh crew that was uh 
yeah, it was electric. And it's really awesome to see the the kind of fan response and the and the loyalty and excitement that was uh, in that building. Yeah, we've been we've been very fortunate. It's been it was a slow build. We actually started right next door um, in the Normana Lodge, and it was it's been an interesting ride getting our fans to come along with us because in the beginning they would just kind of sit there on their hands. They didn't know how to respond. And I don't know if that was because for years, uh, Everett hasn't had a wrestling promotion that would operate consistently out of it. Um, or if it was because the audience didn't, they weren't familiar with who we were showing. Because to be fair, we were, we were bringing in and showcasing a lot of talent that most of the area wasn't always familiar with you had your 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 fan favorites that we would book from three two one battle and and from the portland scene and things like that but then we went outside of the box chris and i have been doing this for a long time and, and i've been fortunate enough to travel and work all over the pacific northwest from vancouver bc all the way down to portland um and beyond and that was you know there, there was a whole group of people, especially in Canada, that weren't being seen in Washington. Uh, and, and I'm proud to say that had it not been for us and giving them the platform that, that we gave them, that they probably still wouldn't have gotten the opportunities that they've gotten because Canada is just such a an afterthought as far as talent and there's so many good talent up there that deserve to be seen that I've known for so long that when we had the opportunity to bring them in it was I feel like with without a cause it is my obligation to give back to this community um, as much as it's given me and more so to be fair um, so I felt obligated to to give my friends the opportunity to come in and, and do what they love to do, do what I knew that they were good at and be who they wanted to be and not be stuck being some guy in, in a three-man team that nobody was really familiar with. Um, they deserved more than that. And, and I'm proud to say that we were able to give them that opportunity. Hmm. Who were some of those people in like the early days of WAC that you specifically wanted to highlight in the, in that way? Um, for a long time, we had a, well, actually the, the WAC originals um, that were most, that we used most often um, were, uh, some of the Canadians were uh, Tyler Elliott, um, Travis Williams, Judas Icarus, Liza Hall. Um, we've used Bam Bam or Bam Bam Bambi Hall a few <laughs> times. Um, I'm sitting here. I'm looking at. I collect toys, and I've got Flintstone stuff sitting up on my shelf. Um, but you know, there were the, those guys. Those guys were getting the the opportunities that I felt like they deserved. Um, Ray Avon Slasher is another one who, mm -hmm. you know, 
we really wanted to put some steam behind for a long time. Um, and then the pandemic unfortunately happened and we had some pretty cool opportunities for her that we were, we were looking at and it just poor timing with the pandemic just kind of took the rug out from under us. But those guys, those guys were our, our primary focus, um, because they were just such good talent. They're such good dudes. Like every single one of them i love them to death like they've been nothing but good friends to me um so like i said it was my obligation to give them the opportunity to perform and and from that opportunity they you know defy started to take notice and started to book travis williams and judas icarus and three two one battle started to notice and they were already using liza and, and bambi but like they really got Bambi Bambi was already getting a lot from three, two, one. And Liza was too in her own way. Um, but Liza really broke out of her shell when we started to book her and use her with us um, and really kind of broke away from the pack, I think. Um, she's done a fantastic job establishing herself as a just a killer singles female talent that if people aren't familiar with Liza Hall, like I would deeply, deeply implore you to, to look her up because she's amazing. She actually just went down to Mexico and trained um, down in Mexico there, I think with CMLL, mm. I want to say. Um, but boy, she's just, she's a killer. No, yeah, I can, I can definitely second you on that as well. Uh, I've had the chance, I've only had the chance to see her in the ring once um, in person, but I think it was a, at a DOA show against Jacob Oso, but like yeah. I was sold like from the minute I saw her. So yeah, her and Bambi um, are outstanding talents. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I am curious since you uh, you mentioned like whack kind of originally was an idea of just a one-off or a once a year sort of thing what ultimately kind of pushed the company to become a, a monthly promotion in the way that it is now you know i don't know um it just happened like chris and and max and i and chase james and at the time we had aubrey edwards on board with us as well um, that was the team. We were, we were the the five people behind bringing Whack to life. And at some point, I don't even know who, but at some point, just the idea was thrown out to just run monthly. Like if we're gonna do this, let's just run monthly shows. Um, and we just did. Like from that point on, like it was never, it was never a question after that on whether or not we should or shouldn't run monthly like that was just what we were going to do after that it just became logistics of getting the ball rolling <laughs> no it's it's been amazing to see like what how the company has grown honestly in in that time span and the profile that it's gotten at it, to have as many different talents from you know across the country as well as internationally coming in like you said like it's just awesome to see because it's I will admit, I'm not from 
the Northwest originally, mm -hmm. but moving here and living here for, for a little while now and kind of like knowing the history that wrestling has in this region and also knowing how once like the Don Owens era ended, the, I think I've heard, it, I think I've actually heard you describe uh, Davy Richards describing the Northwest as a quote unquote black hole of yes. wrestling for yeah. a while. Um, and I, to see this sort of like reinvigoration of, of the scene with, between like y'all and Defy and, you know, DOA down here and Prestige, um, it's, it's just been amazing to, to kind of watch everything kind of grow back after the, the, the fire kind of put everything out for a decade plus. Well, yeah, it was, it was a really hard area to wrestle in for a long time. And, and yeah, Davey, Davey was on a podcast with Colt Cabana, um, one of the art of wrestling episodes. Mm -hmm. And, and I was, I was a huge fan of that podcast. I listened all the time and to have Davey on was different for me because he was from the area. He knew, he knew what this area was. And, um, he did he called it the black hole of wrestling and, and he wasn't wrong it was like this it's such an interesting thing because this area is so big right but it's kind of landlocked in a weird way like you have the canadian border which can be difficult to cross um especially as a canadian coming in here like americans we don't get as much crap going up across the border as the Canadians do to come across. Um, and then, you know, if you, know, you can drive three hours and be in Portland, or you can drive five hours over to Spokane, but you're still in Washington or Washington light, you know, like there's not much difference between Portland and, and the Seattle area, right? Whereas you go over to the Midwest or the East Coast, like you drive three hours in one direction, maybe you're in, you know, two states away. The, the scene's completely different. So it was very hard to be a wrestler in this area because there wasn't a lot going on. This, this area actually made it very difficult. Washington State made it very difficult to run a wrestling promotion. Like you had to have a promoter's license that was wildly expensive they had a lot of things that they expected you to have if you were to run under this promoter's license and it just cost a lot of money um and had it not been actually for 321 battle at the time and and some of the people within that organization going to the state legislature and pitching it the i don't know if you want to call it a bill or or whatever it was but they created the theatrical wrestling license, which ultimately became a like a secondary promoter's license mm -hmm. where you could run a wrestling company. It became profitable to run a wrestling company and still and do it the right way to be seen on a larger scale. Because before that, if you were to run a wrestling company, like you weren't selling tickets or you were asking for donations or you were running on tribal land somewhere where the state couldn't touch you. Um, but the few people within 321, they'd gone and, and petitioned the state and it got passed and 
I will give three, two, one and defy the credit that they're owed because it, had it not been for the people behind three, two, one battle, um, spearheading the formation of this theatrical wrestling license, we wouldn't have what we have and or the opportunities that we have. And if it weren't for Defy, um, I don't think we would have a scene around here at all. Um, Defy really put out a different wrestling product than anyone else in the area was ever even comfortable touching um, and became the leader of independent pro wrestling in this area. And to, to even be in the conversation, you had to at least rise, be, attempt to rise to the level that Defy was to be in that conversation with them. Um, and I don't think had it not been for Defy, we wouldn't have the prestige. We wouldn't have without a cause. We, we most certainly wouldn't have without a cause if it wasn't for Defy. Um, uh, you know, a lot of these companies wouldn't exist. I don't think wrestling in this area would be what it is without three, two, one battle and without Defy's existence. It's just such an awesome, like, interesting aspect of that. Like, you actually have like wrestlers and and people within the business that are going to the government to petition this this sort of thing to make it easier and you know obviously like everything's not like um, like it's not the same as like in other places i know i've seen max online like talking about wanting to run like a no ring death match show or something yeah. but bringing that to oregon because washington would never let you run it but even then like just to see like the the increased like uh, ability for companies um like yourselves to be able to get off the ground like I don't know. That's awesome to see the, the the wrestling community kind of take that into their own hands to put it forward. Yeah, it was it was certainly a unique experience. It was it was something that I don't think I ever could have fathomed seeing in my entire life. I mean, I had been before that bill was passed. I had been wrestling for probably five years. Um, before that really started to pick up any steam. And, and to me, wrestling just was what it was around here. You got to do it once or twice a month. Um, the level of places that you got to do it at varied from, you know, decent quality to very low quality. And you just, you just existed. You just existed. And nobody was gonna be able to see you. Um, nobody was going to have you know and and sure a lot can be said for for the online presence of wrestling being what it is today and, and the internet wrestling community being what it is today and, and iwtv really bringing a platform um to expand independent wrestling across the globe um th yeah those things were probably going to happen regardless of whether or not a bill got passed in Washington state or not, right? But would we have been able to capitalize on it the way that as performers, would we have been able to capitalize on that stuff the way that we have um, without that bill happening, without 321, without Defy? Um, probably not, I don't think. 
It hmm. also you bring up an interesting point, like you know, being someone who kind of entered wrestling during that black hole period, mm-hmm. um, and and really like cutting your teeth for for a, a number of years before we started to see the resurgence here. Talk to me a little bit about um, kind of the, those beginning stages and and what it was like to actually come into the into pro wrestling whenever the environment was so restrictive in that way it, it was very difficult um very difficult and at the time i felt like it was very clicky um and looking back on it now i don't think that it was so much clicky as it was just there was a certain expectation in talent um that people would were willing to book on the better shows in the area and you had to rise to that level and it was very hard to rise to that level when there weren't a lot of places to learn from or to get work because a lot of so when i when i broke into the wrestling business i i had trained for a long time um back when I was 18 years old, but then I had a kid and, and I took some time off and then, you know, I started to train again and then I had another kid. So I took an equal amount of time off to make it fair to, to both of them. And then, you know, I, I went back to training and I, I started wrestling again in 2011 and I was 28 years old and it was not, it, it was, a lot of what I know is been on the job training um, mm. and the ability to be able to, I've been fortunate enough that I have a uh, career, I guess, if you want to call it, like I consider wrestling my career and my day job is the job I have to fund wrestling, but I have a day job that's been, I've been fortunate enough to be able to afford to, fly myself to other places to participate in seminars and to learn from other people. Um, But before that, I didn't have those options. Like I had to build myself up to a level that I could work for companies like DOA. I, I wrestled for DOA when I first started, but they had a certain expectation level and what they wanted out of their wrestlers and and I wasn't meeting that expectation level Mm -hmm. and at the time I looked at him like you know I'm just not getting these opportunities here because I don't live in Portland and I don't hang out and party with these guys and there is a level to that in wrestling like we do like to book our friends because why wouldn't we right like nobody wants to work with people in any company any job where you don't like the people that you work with, right? Like, yeah. of course you want to work with your friends. Um, but I, I wasn't there. I wasn't at that, that performance level yet to where I could consistently get work with them. They were happy to give me work if they had it, but it was a pre-match show. Like as the doors were opening, I got to warm up the crowd for four minutes. Like it wasn't a lot. Um, and so I took the opportunities that, to wrestle in Washington as many as I could um, for some of the the 
lesser watched companies in the area. Um, some of the companies that didn't have talent that were traditionally trained or uh, trained at all in some cases. Um, and I got, I got a lot of shit for that from, from a lot of people for a long time. Like, why, why are you working there? Well, because one, they're the only places that are booking me right now. Two, like my objective was if I can raise these people to my level, then when I work with people who are better than me, they will help raise me to theirs. And it's just a, a ladder system, right? Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, that was, that was really what I did for a long time until 3-2-1 Battle was like, okay, well, we'll take a shot at, on you. Um, and ECCW up in Canada had run a seminar with Bob Evans, and I got to know Bob, and he, you know, pitched the idea of coming to a week-long camp in, in Rhode Island, and I went to Rhode Island, and from there, like, I just started traveling and getting myself to as many places as I could get, learning from as many different people as I could learn, and I think at that at that point, like Chris Frost also like the dude is one of my best friends in the entire world, but he's probably single-handedly one of the most important people in my wrestling career as far as how my brain has developed and how I look at this business and how I've approached this business and and not just from the moves and the storytelling standpoint, but just from like the what do I want out of this and how do I give it and what am I willing to settle for um, before I have to be done doing this? Mm. In what way did, did Chris kind of influence that for you? Um, so I had broken my ankle um, in oh, 2017. 2018 um and he just like we had we like we knew each other just from the scene right like we were familiar with who we are or who we were and and, and he had at the time was just starting to take over some of the training at 321 battle um and was kind of like a backstage agent where he'd help put together the matches and stuff like that with the guys um and I'd broken my ankle and, and he just started messaging me to talk to me. Um, and we just hit it off. And like the rest was history there with him. Like he just became like family to me. Like he's he's literally my best friend. I will I will come home and he'll be sitting on my couch playing video games. Like he knows the passcode to my <laughs> to my door. Like it's just that's just the a thing with us. But you know, he, because at the time, like, before I had broken my ankle, I had a very aggressive goal. I wanted to wrestle over 100 matches a year. And I I did. Like, I wrestled 107 matches in a year. Um, I was wrestling every weekend, two, three times a weekend, sometimes four or five if I got a double shot on a day. Um, and Chris finally looked at me and he said, hey, man, like, reps are only reps until they're not. And like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, at some point you're gonna have to look at the quality of the reps. Like, is 
the quantity more important than the quality. And I'm like, oh shit, you're right. Like I had accomplished a feat that I don't know how many other people in this region have ever done. Um, but what was I learning at the same time? Like I was taking a lot of really, really low end bookings. I learned a lot from a lot of different people for, for the good companies that I was doing, but I was also taking a lot of really low end bookings that I'm beating up my body and not learning anything for. I'm beating up my body and nobody's seeing this body of work that I'm putting out. Like, what was all that worth in the end? And it, going back, I wouldn't change it. It made me who I am. And, and I'm very thankful for all the companies that have ever given me an opportunity to perform for them. Um, but at the end of the day, like, could I have been applying that effort somewhere else? And maybe, you know, maybe I only wrestled 50 matches in a year, but they're 50 really good matches with really good companies. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. No, I think it's a, I think it's a sentiment that kind of expands, you know, beyond pro wrestling in a lot of ways. Like, I think, especially like, if I can just relate one of my own experiences, like working in like the journalism field, like there's a lot of places that put a lot of onus on how many like pieces of content or articles you can put out as opposed to like, what do you actually get out of all of that? What do you actually say with all those sort of things? So in the same way, like if you're just going, if you want to wrestle a hundred matches, like you get to that point, but you look back at that body and it's just like, well, like the quality isn't like, it's, it's not like across the board in, in that way. And it's just more of a matter of like learning to work, I guess, to be a little cliche, like working smarter in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, yeah. It, but at the same time, you have to have that experience to kind of learn that you know, that, that, that Absolutely. I think can speak to that as well. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't, I am very lucky and very grateful to have everything that I have in wrestling because I make no mistake. Like this business does not owe anybody anything. Um, and it is never going to love us the way that we love it. When we're done, we're done. Wrestling keeps moving though. They're just gonna, it, it, the business is just gonna move on to the next talent in line, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of my experiences because if it weren't for those experiences, I wouldn't be the performer that I am. Um, I, you know, I don't like to toot my own horn a lot, but I feel like I'm pretty intelligent about this business and how it operates and how to tell a story and, and what I'm capable of doing and what I think other people are capable of um, and, and passing that along. And for me, like the end game has always been to have a school and to run a pro wrestling company. Like that's always been where I wanted to finish up my wrestling life. And I'm, I'm, grateful that i get to do that now and still be active in the wrestling business yeah because like, if i'm not mistaken like the the dragonplex school uh is you're you're training people there um yeah now as well right yeah 
Yes. Yep. So yeah, you've got all the all the goals that are kind of coming together at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know it's been really fortunate um, to have all of this happen to me. I'm you know I couldn't be happier to do this with the group that I get to do it. I mean, I go to work almost every day with my best friend. Like Chris and I run Dragonplex Apparel and and the Dojo and all of that together you know we get to podcast together on the big meaty men podcast we you know we run without a cause together you know and and on top of that you know with without a cause we have max and chase and like i get to i get to work with my friends every day and i wouldn't have had that if i didn't get to have all the experiences that i've had the good and the bad along the way All right, Jens, thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the Ring. Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things, but I do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is. Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black designed by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboy otm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. Even to that end, like you and Chris, you know, we talked about you being the one half of the Bash Bros. Chris obviously is the other half of that team. Yep. And y'all are the, the first ever WAC Tag Team Champions there. Um, I, I did like how the, the Bash Bros debuted during uh, WAX pandemic uh, stuff, the uh, Without a Crowd shows. That, yeah. was, that was a lot of fun. Um, but kind of talk to me a little bit because Bash Bros, Dave Turner, this version of the Black Sheep is a bit different from what I think people became accustomed to seeing from you in like say 3-2-1 Battle that version of the black sheep talk to me a little bit about how that darker more i guess you could say evil version of the black sheep kind of came together for you so i <clears throat> at the time that that i created that character um I, I had been taking so many bookings all over the place um and you know i and I've had this conversation 
with her now, so I don't mind saying it out loud, but Shauna, Shauna Wayne, Nick Wayne's mom and, and his dad, Buddy, um, we had had a falling out. And a lot of that group, they weren't fond of me. The, the people that trained at the Buddy Wayne Academy, like they just, I wasn't anybody that anybody put any stock behind. And I can't blame them for where I was at at that point in my life. Like I wasn't doing anything to prove that I was going to be worth anything or that I was capable of, of because I had trained with Buddy for on a couple of different occasions for a few months. Um, but the, the, you know, the circumstances were different behind the, the level of training that I got with Buddy and, and the level of training that he was churning out after I was done training with Buddy. Um, but I wasn't, I wasn't capable of, of carrying the Buddy Wayne banner at all or, or you know, saying that I was trained at the Buddy Wayne Academy. So we'd had this falling out and I was angry and I was bitter and I was upset. And there was a lot of hatred um, in my heart for what had happened. Uh, and a friend of mine had said, you know, it's funny, you've really become the black sheep of the Pacific Northwest. And I said, dude, I love that. I'm gonna run with that because it gave me the opportunity to get out all of my frustrations and all of this anger and this chip that I had on my shoulder in a way that I could do it creatively and artistically and free myself of everything that I'd been carrying around on the inside. Um, and then it just kind of became, you know, what it was. And, and I was able to mend fences with that family and, and you know, my one of my biggest regrets in my wrestling life probably my only regret in my wrestling life is i wasn't able to bury the hatchet with buddy before he had passed away um but i was able to bury the hatchet with his wife and she's one of the people that i'm closest with now in this area um you know i we're in a good place me and that family um and at the time I had been, I'd gone to that five day camp for Bob Evans and Kevin Kelly was one of the evaluators at this camp. And I had explained the character to him and he said, okay, well, what are you gonna do when you've outworked everyone and you're not the black sheep anymore? Like you don't have this chip on your shoulder. People can't deny you anymore what what do you do then like you have to evolve the character um and so the black sheep just kind of became a thing that it, it was just part of who i was um and you know the chip went away and i stopped being so angry and i started to live for me and then the opportunity chris and i had been traveling around and, and taking bookings individually with each other um and he's like, you know, there's no traveling tag team. Like, why don't we just do that? And I said, yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, let's do it. And we were sitting on a plane and came up with the idea of the Bash Bros. And it just snowballed from there. And it, and it just, you know, once I was able to free myself of all the hurt that I was feeling inside, um, 
the character ultimately became more playful anyways. Um, and I think, I think part of that comes with the freeing myself of the hurt that I had from the Buddy Wayne Academy and the way that I felt like I had been treated and coming to the realization that they weren't wrong. Um, and, and burying the hatchet with that family and, and making them part of my family. Um, and, and also coming out publicly with my own sexuality, like it all became very freeing and I stopped living for everyone else and started really living for me. Um, and that's when the character that I represent now, like that is the most authentic version of the black sheep that anybody's probably ever going to see like this more or less is my final form like mm -hmm. i'm i'm a playful flirtatious fun loving guy that likes to get a little hammered and likes to just have a good laugh and that's that's who i am and that's what you get to see in the ring now Mm. Uh, I, I will say like that that version this this final form version of the character definitely um i think all those things that, that you're talking about are aspects of it definitely do come across i know when myself and my partner were up at at uh, rise of the dragon 2 in september um whenever you and hoodfoot opened the your match by just immediately mm -hmm. just going to the bar my partner who is still relatively new to pro wrestling got an immense kick out of that. Like, yeah, so, <laughs> so, so it's just like, it, it's interesting to see how these different aspects of, of character in pro wrestling and the people behind them really do evolve in that way. It feels like the journey of the black sheep is also kind of like the emotional journey that you've gone on as well. in in a lot of ways, it really has been like there, you know, this, I went and got my logo tattooed to my arm um, because it, it's, this character has defined who I am for so long as part of my life and has, it really has been this emotional roller coaster of a life that I've lived in this business because you know it wasn't just it wasn't just the the Buddy Wayne family like I had I had run across obstacles my entire life in, in wrestling um and I still run across obstacles it's just now I approach them differently and, and I don't care as much anymore um and you know I, I've gone from you know, being a guy who wasn't getting a lot of bookings and working for all of the lower level companies to being a guy who felt absolutely despised and hated to being a guy who I think people genuinely actually enjoy and appreciate and love in this area. Um, and it's been, you know, like I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that for the world because it's, it's made me who I am. And I don't think had I not experienced everything that I have with wrestling, like I would not be the Dave Turner that you're talking to right now as a human being. Hmm. And, and obviously an important aspect of that, like you brought up earlier was, you know, 
you coming out and and kind of you know publicly stating your uh, part of the LGBTQ community in that way. Talk to me a little bit about that experience for you. Like what ultimately kind of led for you to feel like that was the right time for you to announce it. Um, and had you been out to anybody else in pro wrestling prior to that? Uh, well, wrestling is the reason I came out. Okay. Um, I, I never, 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 never in a million years ever would have thought about it. Like up to that point in my life, like actually shortly before that, like I had gotten married and, and, my wife had stumbled upon some messages that I had had with some men in my life. And she's like, oh, what the fuck is this, dude? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, nobody knew. Um, I, I'd kept this side of me, like, a secret from everyone in my life for decades at that point. Um, and she's like, yo, like, if you would have just told me, like, ahead of time I would have been cool with it like I don't I just didn't want to find out this way and I'm like okay and so like she was very open and, and willing to accept me in that part of my life even though like I kept it a secret and, and we had gotten married under the auspices of that I'm this heterosexual male right um and but had it not been for so the timeline for, for my coming out was I went to Los Angeles and wrestled for Suburban Fight with Chris and Chase, actually. Um, and we had met Keita, Keita Murray. Mm -hmm. And he was just such a strong, strong personality. And like, he just, he just resonates that he doesn't give a fuck that he just wants to live his life and be who he is. And that was so powerful to me. Um, and, and to know that here is somebody else who's bisexual in this community, in this wrestling community, right? And they're okay. Like, it will be okay. So, I, you know, I was comfortable starting to come out and, and tell Chris and Chase and like the people that were closest to me in my life this aspect of who I was. Um, and then in February, I'd been, I, for a long time, I'd been wrestling as, as part of a tag team called the Glory Holes. Um, and our shtick was very ambiguously homosexual. Um, and we had, we were doing a tournament for the tag team championships for Without a Cause. And I had like Chris Reisick is one of my dearest friends, one of my closest friends in wrestling as well. And, and, you know, as I am feeling obligated to give people an opportunity to shine, like I pitched the idea of having the glory holes in this tag team tournament, like it filled the gap that we needed to fill. And I was doing my friend a solid. Um, and the, flyer the image came out of us in our match and a girl who i had seen at a couple of wrestling shows in the seattle area but not really a lot had made a vague comment on her facebook about heterosexual wrestlers 
pretending to be gay is the most disgusting thing in the world. And the timing of her statement and our flyer just was too coincidental to be a coincidence. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, here I am, this bisexual human being, and I've been afraid to be open about it with anybody because of the consequences of it. But there's a man down in LA who's doing just fine for himself. There's Effie who's doing just fine for himself. Like, what do I have to be afraid of anymore? Like, I'm doing a disservice to my community, the LGBTQ community at this point, by playing this character that I really was, like, that's who I was, but I wasn't being honest with anybody about it. Like, I was, you know, on the outside, it looked like I was just a heterosexual male playing an ambiguously gay character. And I thought, I gotta just stop lying to people. Like, I gotta stop lying to myself and I'm, I'm just gonna come out with it. Um, because the last thing I want is to present a disingenuous version of who I am. And it didn't dawn on me until her comment, whether it was about me or not, that that had been what I was doing my entire life. Like, it was nobody, you know, except a handful of people knew this about me. Like, even some of my closest friends, like, text me after I made the Facebook announcement and said, uh, for real? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like, my children were all like, okay, yeah, I knew. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it was, you know, I didn't, it, it was such a freeing experience. And I was, I was so afraid, but I was also not afraid. Like, it just felt like the time, like that was the time I needed to do it. Um, and I remember my wife saying, wait, don't post it yet. Just wait. And she would, she was a very anxious person by nature. And, and she'd say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to do this? How's this going to work with wrestling? Like, are you going to stop getting bookings? Yada, yada, yada. I'm like, you know, if I do, I don't care. Like, I can't continue to present one face to the world and hide behind it. Like, I just can't do that anymore. And I just hit enter on my keyboard. And I said, I sent it. And she goes, okay, well, I guess it's out there now. And ever since then, I've gotten an outpouring of support and love from everyone. I don't think I've had anybody give me any negative criticism or anything towards it, um, which has been really nice. And, and, you know, I'm a very private person as it is in general. I don't share details about my life with very many people because I just you know there's there's so many non-playable characters in our life right yeah um that you know not everybody needs to know everything about everyone and so I've, I keep a lot of things to myself but this was one thing I didn't want to keep to myself anymore and and you know I don't go into uh specifics on my exploitations or my interests and tastes and in, in 
that part of my life with very many people. If you ask, I'll tell you, you know, but I, you know, it's not anything that needs to, I don't need to come out and, and wave it around in people's faces either. You know what I mean? It's just, it's part of who I am. Like we can talk about it, but I also don't need to like, just shove it down your throat either. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely understand that. Um, and I imagine like having that out there and having that, that weight off of you is stuff. Has that made it more freeing whenever you are in, in the ring as well? Like, is it just, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, I was, as when I was wrestling as the glory holes, I was able to tap into that side of who I was. Right. And, and that's what I say. Like, I was hiding behind this mask. Like I, I got to be who I was once a month and, and show this character to people. And that's who Dave Turner really is. And then I would immediately hide behind the black sheep, right? And this is who I am. Um, and, you know, I started to kind of flirt with the idea of being more flirtatious with my personality and letting more of that out as the black sheep um, prior to me coming out. Like I had really started to kind of let the sexy sheep concept shimmer or simmer a little bit because I was having, I realized I was having fun with it. I was, I was at a, Three to one battle show. It was Christmas time. I had somebody had a Santa Claus like robe, and I was like, I want to wear that. And they go, Okay. So I wore it out for my entrance. And Aubrey Edwards said, If you do not do a little strip tease, I'm going to be extremely disappointed. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, fine. So I just kind of like popped open one side of it, and I got this huge reaction. I'm like, well, I'm going to run with it. So I popped open the other side and I just did this strip tease with this Santa Claus outfit. And I'm like, okay, you know what? People, people dig this regardless of how the presentation of my wrestling character is. Like, they dig the flirtatious side of me. So I'm just going to run with it. And, and I started to run with it. And that was part of creating the Bash Bros. Like, that was important to as important to Chris as it was to me to be my authentic self and be who I was. He's like, you know, you're not this jean vest and angry person, like be who you are. And, and as the bash bros, we get to be who we are and, and whatever we want to show the world, we can show the world. Like it doesn't have to be who you thought you needed to be anymore. And I'm like, okay, great. And that's, you know, being part of the Bash Bros is one of the, it, it's the most fun I've had. And I've always had fun in my wrestling life, but it's, there have been times where it's always felt like work. Um, and although I love what I do, it was work. This is, doesn't feel like work to me. This is, this is fun. I, I, you know, we have ideas for promos where we just, get goofy or we do little things like go to the bar and grab shots before a match like i get to be who i am in real life and what more could anyone ask for ah 
honestly there there really isn't much <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> no and then of course like now looking at the the leadership of without a cause you know we've seen over the past few years like a number of um, whether it be promotions or, or uh, production houses or people that are running in cooperation with promotions that are being more and more led by LGBTQ voices, especially when we're talking about LGBTQ specific events and stuff like that. And looking at wax composition of, of the leadership when it started, like between you and Max and Aubrey, like the majority of the team there was uh, part of the community. Even if, you know, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not familiar if, if Aubrey was already out at that point, but I, but like, had, even with, you know, y'all, you and Max not necessarily being out publicly at the time, you were starting up a company here that was adding to that leadership um, presence, I would say, um, without anybody really like seeing it until a, a later date. I think so. I think Aubrey's a lot like me where she's this is her life and, and if you ask her about it she'll be honest with you but otherwise she's not going to just voluntarily give out this information unless she feels so inclined to do so right mm -hmm. uh, so I had always known that Aubrey was part of the LGBTQ plus community um, I Nobody knew about Max and I. Max and I didn't even know about Max and I. Like at that point when we started Without a Cause, like we were very much in the closet. Um, and I can't speak for Max's experiences because even that's something like we don't talk about. We just mm -hmm. like, that's his part of his life and this is my part of my life. And we just don't really ever swap trade stories. Like there's no, there's no locker room talk <laughs> in our meetings. Yeah. Right? Um, but like we had known that about Aubrey, she didn't know that about us. In fact, there's a funny story. Like I had been texting with this guy, and my wife had asked for a screenshot of our conversation, so I screenshotted it and I went to go. My wife and I communicate mostly over Facebook Messenger, which coincidentally is the same place that most of our WAC communication is <laughs> over as well. <laughs> and I had sent the screenshot to the WAC crew. Oh. And I quickly noticed it, but not before everyone else did. And I deleted it. And I think Chris or Chase goes, Dave, what was that? And Aubrey goes, well, I think that was Dave talking to his boyfriend and he just came <laughs> out to us. And I go, no, 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 no. That was my son. That was my son. And she goes, oh, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, like even up to that point, like I hadn't told anybody in my life. So, you know, we created this company out of out of wanting to do good for this area and and you know, we've always been we've always been very uh, had the foresight to be um ahead of the curve as far as like wanting to be very socially responsible with the lgbtq plus community um the black lives matter movements and things of that nature like those were very important to us and, and things that we hold near and dear to our hearts um and it just so happened that 
This company also was secretly founded by two uh, people that were part of the LGBT plus community. So <laughs> it's just interesting to like to see like how that kind of evolved. And, and you know, after you and Max did did come out, like I, how did that like how did that dynamic change or, or did it change in a way whenever everybody finally was like cards on the table? This is who I am. Um, how did, did, did that impact anything in terms of like how the, the leadership group interacted? No, I mean, if it, no, it, it, Max is, Max has always been the, um, he's my little worry wart. Like he's always been the very responsible one and, and the one that worries about things the most. So he's always played that role and, and, and he's never really like, we've had like light conversations, all of us about, our own sexual predilections and, and things like that. Um, but as far as like, has it changed the dynamic? I'd say the only thing that's really changed is that now I can be a complete pervert about both genders um, <laughs> and I'd feel safe with it. Whereas before, you know, I'd be like, hi, yeah, that's what she said, you know? And like, now I could be like, oh, well, that's what they said sort of thing, right? Like. I, I'm comfortable being who I am and and being more open with it in that regard. But as far as like the way we operate and act with each other, like we're just four dudes who love each other and love this business and just want it to be successful and succeed. Uh, it's It's awesome to see. And I'm super happy to see how far the company has come and this, fourth anniversary show is like so far with the announcements that y'all have made it is ramping up to be a fun one that i am bummed that i can't be at but um but i'm excited to see it whenever it does release and Keita chris bay that match just jumps off the page to me i'm curious to see what you and chris have on the table as well uh we've got something pretty good on the table yeah something that we're pretty excited for um i'm really excited about this whole event because it's, I mean, it's so that we're going into our, actually, we're going into our third year now. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but this, we got really fortunate with uh, some opportunities with some of these talent that, like, Chris and I had booked PD Williams for a seminar for the school. And he was like, if you guys want me to wrestle, I'll wrestle too. And we were like, yes, we do. And we had already had uh, Richard Holiday like hit us up and say he wanted to come out and work for us. So like we had already had representation from MLW and now we've got Petey from, from Impact. Uh, you know, we had Chris Bay from Impact as it was already as our champion. Um, and then we just kind of like rounded it out with max from ring of honor and, and like became this thing of like okay like how many people can we get on this show to represent as many different companies as we can um as legally as we can right yeah. obviously we're not going to get any wwe superstars on the card 
Um, but how many people can we get on this show and like really make this something special? Like, I will never go out on a limb and say, this is the biggest show in Washington state history because there have certainly been bigger. Um, but it's big for us and it's going to be fun. And, you know, we, I, I'm just, again, I'm so grateful that we are in a position to, that we can give these people in this area the opportunities that they have rightfully deserved for as long as they have. Rebel Kell works her ass off. Um, Nick Wayne works his ass off. Keita Murray works his ass off. Chris Bay works his ass off. Like these guys, you know, Bay's, Bay's, Bay's Bay. Like he, he's a star now, right? Yeah. Um, but these other guys, like they, they deserve to be seen on that same level that Chris Bay is at. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that we get to give them the opportunity to come and perform completely uninhibited. Like, do you, this is your canvas, make your art. I don't care what you do here. Just make it good, as good as you can. Um, and we, you know, we, we get the opportunity to do that for them. And Max has a very large Twitch following. So, you know, he gets, you know, we have that audience that we can tap into because we share our shows through Max's Twitch channel. Um, our YouTube is just growing to the point where we've got thousands of views on several of our videos now. Like we have our IWTV experience, like these performers get to be seen by such a wide audience now um, that I'm just grateful that I get to give them the opportunity to do it. And, and I'm grateful that they, that I get to call them all my friends because at the end of the day, like that's what they are. They're, they're friends, they're family. Like I would die on the hill for everyone that we book. Chris and I don't ever, Chris handles like 98.9% of the booking. Um, but we don't ever bring in anybody that we don't personally enjoy being around, that we want to spend more time with. Um, and like, these people are just good people. They're all such good people. Like, I can't even express, like good, good people. And I, I love... I love being around them. I love getting to spend the weekend with them. And I love giving them these chances to just do what we all love to do. Because mm. a lot of these guys weren't getting the opportunities. Like Jeff Cobb told me one time, he said, you know, sometimes all it takes is one flight out and it will make your career where everybody starts to look at you as a guy like, oh, that guy was willing to fly him out. Well, I guess he's a big star. We'll fly him out too now. And, you know, we've created some of those moments for people and I'm happy to be a part of that. You know, a lot yeah. of work goes into it, but a lot, of, a lot of heart, a lot of what we do comes from our hearts and just loving this business and loving these people that we get to perform with and work with and, and employ. 
for the day. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I it's it's awesome to hear. It's awesome to see like the health of, of WAC and the opportunities that that y'all are able to provide to so many other people. And you know, I'm just I'm I don't know. I think grateful is the right word here because I'm grateful that you were able to take the time and and kind of talk a bit more about not just WAC but also like your own experience and and it's amazing to hear that you're in such a a good place for yourself as well yeah so, you know yeah. thank you i'm i'm actually really grateful for this opportunity as well i don't i've done a lot of interviews um and you know i don't often get to talk about the whack side of things and like running whack um yeah. i don't oftentimes get the opportunity to be as candid with my life as I, as I got to be with you today. So I'm really grateful that I got to do this too. Like I am in a really good place. Like, you know, a lot of, you know, life sucks sometimes and people go through a lot of shit, but if you just keep going as hard as it is, if you just keep pushing forward, like it does get better. Things do get easier and life becomes much more enjoyable if you just keep pushing forward and just be your authentic the most authentic version of yourself that you can be that you're comfortable being and if you're not comfortable being it i'm more than happy to talk you through anything that you're going through like i just i i i just want people to be able to live life the way that i live life so yeah no, true words, true, very true, honestly. <laughs> no. um, well, Dave, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. Let everybody know where they can find you and more about uh, Without a Cause online. Uh, you can find Without a Cause at Without a Cause WA, uh, like Washington. So Without a Cause WA on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You could find... Uh, me and Chris at Bash Bros Tag Team on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, uh, YouTube, everywhere. Um, that will, I, I mean, following those links will will get you pretty much anywhere you need to, to go. If you type in Dave Turner Wrestler, like you'll find me on Google. You can't miss me. I'm a giant, bald-headed human being. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I, I'm stoked. Like, if you're in the area, definitely check out uh, Wax uh, Anniversary Show on October 31st. It's going to be dope. I am going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be able to, I'm missing that one, but I am going to be there in November for Shelly and, and Makabe. Um, I, oh, man, that Makabe Shelly yes. match, I am over the moon that we get to put on. Like, there, there are matches that, like, Billy Starks and Nick Wayne has. Been oh my God, that, that match! Yes. Yeah, I've I've personally wanted to host that match for so long, and I'm glad that we got the opportunity to do it. Makabe um, and Shelly, same thing. Like they have such a history with each other, as far as like just being friendly with each other, and it's a match that people have been chomping at the bit for, and to be able to, you know. I hate to say it, but neener neener, we got there first on some of these matches, right? Like we get to be first. We get to be first in a lot of these opportunities because we see that, like, we see them coming from a mile away. And so we, you know, look thoughtfully. But 
I, I'm so excited. And, and like Dan is another guy who's just such a good human being. Dan has been so, so good to me over the years as a human being that I am thrilled to give him this opportunity. Um, so I just, I, I honestly can't wait for November either. <laughs> <laughs> no, same here, same here. Uh, well, thank you, Dave. Yeah, thank you. My thanks again to Dave for coming on the show and you know being so open about you know his wrestling life as well as his personal life and and so many different things that he you know admittedly um, doesn't talk about a lot publicly. Um, you know it really shows that Wack is in great hands, not just with Dave but also Chase, Chris, and Max, the whole crew there um, up in Everett that are really working to continue to build this region back into the the wrestling hotbed that it once was uh, it's amazing to see obviously that gets a bit of a, a, a more juice um on sunday october 31st halloween night at the third anniversary show for whack you know chris bay and Keita, that match is gonna be outstanding uh bash bros and death proof so many other matches on that card it looks great if you're in the Everett area definitely grab tickets um if you're in the seattle area grab tickets if you're anywhere around the pacific northwest grab tickets if not keep your eye on the youtube channel on wax youtube channel i should say um they've been putting out a lot of their shows there uh, for free so definitely check that out whenever it goes live i know i will because I, I tell you, I, I'm glad that I'm having a Halloween party, but I'm also bummed that I'm not going to be uh, there for Akita and Chris uh, in, in the rest of an outstanding show. So, that being said, though, um, we're going to call it for this week. That That's going to do it for us here. So, uh, oh, real quick before I leave, definitely check out the uh, Killian McMurphy Casanova Valentine No Ring Death Match that was released by the New Fury City crew on their YouTube channel um, this week. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I'm just gonna leave it at that because everything else. Uh, well, maybe one more thing. Um, you know, I tried the coffee coke for the first time about a week ago, and uh, it. It did make me proud in some ways. I don't know if it's the same way <laughs> that Killian and and Dust did, but you know. To each their own. It's kind of tasty. Uh, that being said, though, that we will, <laughs> we're we're out now. We're done for the week. Um, but until we speak again, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated if you are able to do so. And congratulations to Madness for winning the uh, the, <laughs> the Oso title down at uh, Pride Championship Wrestling in San Antonio this week or last week, one of the weeks. Six, six, six.